And finally, we conclude our Talanoa series on Australian and New Zealand spy operations in the Pacific this week with Papua New Guinean lawyer and academic Bao Kama, who we started speaking to in yesterday's Pacific Waves. Earlier in the week, we heard from the Victoria University Professor of Comparative Politics, John Frankel, as well as two separate statements from Intelligence Minister Andrew Little and Foreign Affairs Minister Nanaya Mahuta. We've yet to get a response from the Australian government to the allegations laid out by investigative journalist Nikki Haga in his latest article, Eyes Over the Pacific, and with whom we kicked off this whole conversation last week. Hopefully we'll be able to bring to you the views of some of our Pacific Island leaders as well in the coming days and their thoughts on being spied on. But for today, we pick up our conversation with Papua New Guinean lawyer and academic Dr. Bao Kama, a visiting fellow at the Australian National University who specialises in Pacific affairs and legal systems. I asked Dr. Kama if, based on the responses from the New Zealand government so far, not denying any of the allegations, but restating the importance of the intelligence work in the region in helping to maintain a peaceful, stable and secure Pacific, if Pacific countries are just supposed to accept on face value that their big brother and sister, so to speak, Australia and New Zealand, have their best interests at heart. When the Pacific countries decided to be independent, to sort of decolonialize themselves, they wanted to be self-governing in all, in all aspects. And so any sort of notion that we have big, you know, they are big, big brothers out there looking over the shoulders, I think... Uh, that has to be narrowly defined so as not to suggest that it is part of a neocolonialism. To what extent the big brother, as they may perceive to be, should act within the Pacific domain needs to be defined as well, needs to be clearly articulated, not just a word that is put it out there. Because by doing so, undermine the capacity, the sovereignty and the independence of the Pacific state. And I think that needs to come out clearly. The other aspect of it is that because we are connected, although that sense of sovereignty and independence is there, because the region is so connected uh, and the threat levels are, you know, once they affect on another may impact on the other and then uh, those sort of ripple effect makes those uh, Australia, New Zealand, who have the capacity, who have the economic power, the military power as well, to be feeling that there is a natural responsibility uh, as a country with that capacity to not stand ideal, but respond. The international power dynamic is also shaped in a way that makes them responsible. Um, How do I, or what do I mean by that? I think uh, if, if something happens within the region, there is an expectation internationally that the two leading countries would, would, would have these things under control. So before international uh, countries or partners decide to step into the region, they will be, for instance, ensuring that Australia and New Zealand are okay with it. You know, they are, whether they need, they need help to uh, extra, extra help or not. We see that in Bougainville, we see that in Solomon Islands. Um, the first preference of international court always goes to the near neighbors who have the power and the capacity and the willingness to step in. So in some ways, um, like you said, you know, it's uh, the size of the Pacific and its state inherently puts it in a, in a position where there are things that it can't do it on itself without sufficient help 
from the two strong neighbors. And I don't think that is a kind of a perpetual or forever sort of dependence. It, it is just that the way the region has been, as it is, small island states, bigger developed economies um, will inherently give rise to some sort of dependency that will make sure that those small island states are effective in dealing with what they are dealing with. That said, though, I think uh, one needs to be cautious in that it, 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 it doesn't mean that Australia and New Zealand setting the agendas for the, for the Pacific states. And so when, that, when there are times where things like this or narratives like that are coming up, you will see Pacific Island leaders are pushing back because it is easy to, at, uh, on one hand, think that, yes, Pacific Island states are in, inherently going to be de dependent on there are two bigger uh, nations and then forget about the, I mean, and then easily slide into this area where they set the agenda of, of, of how things should operate. And I think that is where Pacific leaders needs to really be clear on, recognizing that there are things that you need their help just because they are big and, and, and they have that power to assist. And there are things that you need to set the boundary and, and be cautious of, and actually sustain it, sustain the narrative, sustain that level of cautionary. Definitely. Like, I, I think the, a parallel I can draw is when, with Ramsey, when Ramsey was in Solomon, some of the Australians themselves who were part of Ramsey were critical of some of the behavior of people coming through the mission. And uh, I think the, the phrase was, don't treat it like a suburb of Sydney, or, or uh, saying that, you know, like, you are here to help, but that doesn't mean that your, your being needed makes you the, the superior authority or mm. whatever. So I guess that segues into like, my other question was, what, what are the legal issues here? Like, is this, where does, where does the law come in, in terms of what a foreign nation is able to do? Like, I guess it must be, <laughs> must be a really gray area in terms of intelligence gathering, but um, what, what protections do Pacific countries have, if any, uh, on the legal legal side of things before i before i go into answering that that um pertinent question i think i'd like to piggy piggyback on what you pointed out in that example i think that points out one of the ways to mitigate that dependency in that building capacities within the pacific region trusting if you have a crisis somewhere then you want to use the resources within the pacific first people who understand each other people who understand the cultural context and, and, and really make, make use of what help they could provide before you started looking out to, say, Australia or, or New Zealand. And I think, I think we are seeing that happening, for instance, in the Solomon Islands recently, where the government calls on Papua New Guinea, Fiji, um, but obviously Australia was leading. But as you go into the future, you know, you want to look at, say, things like, you know, intervening in, in local conflicts. Is it something that you could tap into the resources that are existing in, in, in the Pacific. Uh, PNG has both military and the, and the police. Uh, Fiji has that as well. They are not perfect. They have their own records that are, that are not to be proud of. But could they construct at the PIF level a um, Pacific regional sort of intervention forces that can go into these kind of areas? Right? When it comes to medical, for instance, or any other sort of things that might need help, Probably, you know, one of the conversations to to look at is is to look at this 
how could we build capacity within the Pacific so that Pacific people who understand context and culture can, res can respond within themselves. Now, I want to bring it back to the question that you've mentioned, the legality of uh, spying or the alleged spying activities. Snowden's document, I mean, it's uh, unless someone has evidence to, to disprove it, you know, it remains a, a very authentic and a, and a strong evidence of things happening. And so the question of legality is a very important one in that, uh, is it legal? The simple answer is no, it is not legal. Uh, and both domestic laws within Australia and New Zealand wouldn't allow that to happen, doesn't allow that to happen. And then also uh, laws within the country that the alleged spying may have taken place doesn't also allow it to happen. So any continual undertaking in that regard is a continual breach of rule of law, continual breach of uh, sovereignty, because the law protects sovereignty. And when you break the law internationally, then you undermine the sovereignty. And um, what's more broadly, it does undermine the international rules-based institution or rules-based understanding that every act is within the international space, act within guided rules. And so that fundamental understanding that is accepted by democratic states and people within the democracy that every actors are law-abiding actors, uh, such, such an allegation and, 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 and activity um, goes to the very heart of breaching that. Uh, there are sort of exceptions, you know, when you are at a war with someone, for instance, so obviously you do want to gain advantage so the state could use whatever means necessary within its power to kind of defend its interests. But in peacetime, uh, when you are in peacetime and in no conflict, obviously there is a breach. But also I think there is a moral and ethical uh, breach if we can push that line a bit. You know, when you are showing to your neighbors that you are their friends and you are their family, then uh, as some Pacific Islander leaders have mentioned before, there is a moral and ethical breach which goes beyond just the legal question to the, to the uh, morality of what we do.